Welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is Miss Marva Tutt, the principal of Rupert Langford Middle School in Augusta, Georgia. How are you doing today, Miss Tutt? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good, good. I'm glad to have you on, and it's an exciting time in the school year. How, how's the year been for you so far? So this year, we kind of been through the that, what they call the sophomore slump. Uh, last year was my first year here. Um, it was a kind of a turnaround situation. Um, the school culture and climate rating was at a two. Um, mm. Students were performing kind of low, um, the test scores, as indicated by the test scores and things of that nature. So last year, we came in, um, didn't make radical change, but we did make some changes along the way um, in terms of climate, culture, instruction, uh, collaborative planning, working with our teachers, parents, students, all stakeholders. So um, we were off to the end of the year was great, and then we got to uh, kind of rocky start. Um, we had some oversized classes at first. Okay. Um, just based on our um, allocation. So um, that started the year off kind of rocky. And then we ended up with our sixth grade students just learning that they weren't quite ready for the middle school culture. So we had to make mm -hmm. some adjustments to their schedules. Um, at first we were letting them walk to, with adult supervision, walk to their classes um, alone. And well, not alone, but they were walking like a high school schedule type thing. Yeah. And they just weren't ready to handle that level of independence. So we put them back on teams where they walk together in the line in mm. a certain perimeter. So things have gotten better in that way. But we did um, we did have to make some adjustments along the way. Gotcha. Well, it, it sounds like you, you did a good job adapting to the needs of your students, though. Did it take a while to recognize what those needs were? Uh, no, it didn't. Um, what I noticed initially... I was at a high school before that, and okay. at the high school I was at before that, the kids always say, you, get, you take time to get to know us, you take time to get to know us. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing I did when I got here, is I took time to get to know the students. Um, we had grade level assemblies to just go over our expectations and introduce them to the administrative staff and our resource officer, and um, they were all receptive, and then when we got to eighth grade, they were just like, they had a million questions. Well, what are you going to do? Are we going to have this? Are we going to do that? And I said, well, fine. We won't do anything. And then I went home and I reflected and I said, wait a minute. This is going to be a push-pull all year long. So how can I change this around so that we are, we have a positive relationship? So um, a principal that I works here in Augusta that at a high school who I highly respect, I asked her for some advice. She said, get your little council together, like a little eighth grade council group together and um, talk mm. to them, just talk to them. So we started meeting monthly um, and just talked about the issues that they had, things that they wanted to do, activities they wanted to plan. And we use that as behavior incentives as well. For example, at Christmas, they want to have the Polar Express social is what they called it. And they want to watch the movie Polar Express. I was like, eighth grade? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> but really, they just want to come and hang out with their friends. They, you know, changed into their approved pajamas, um, had popcorn, hot chocolate. And they just wanted to stay and talk. They could care less about the movie. But we built those relationships. And wow. they were and, and they were able to uh, see that I care because I really do care about kids. And I always have to tell people, sometimes you have to think like a 13-year-old. Mm. <laughs> what did it get to a 13-year-old? And it's not being immature. You just sometimes have to think like them. So that was the first part. The other part was with the teachers. They wanted somebody to listen to them as well. 
Okay. They had some things that they wanted to share and get out their chest, um, chest, and then um, make adjustments from there. And so it was really about listening and adjusting uh, to what the the immediate needs were, the low hanging mm-hmm. fruit. And then this year, moving into things, it's like, okay, we couldn't buy y'all last year. We built relationships. This year, we expect to see some really great results. And like a, a former principal said, the second year is probably the worst because everybody is not putting on their show anymore. You put on your mm-hmm. show, they put on their show. So I'm really looking forward to year three when we can make those really radical changes in terms of um, instruction, assessment, and seeing that group that's now in seventh grade, that will be three years with them to see okay. how they've grown. Yeah. And see the lo- the longitudinal effects of what we started last year. That's kind of your your benchmark grade, if you will. Right. Okay. Benchmark grade. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Okay. Now, is this your first time being a principal at a school? No, it's not. I was elementary school principal. This is my first time middle school principal. I was an elementary school principal a couple of times, and then um, I was a high school assistant principal, and I was a middle school assistant principal. Okay. Okay. Now, this I'm I'm just curious. I've never been a principal before. I, I do some administrative work with um, some of the schools I work with as a consultant, and um, they've got me listed as an administrator, but I'm not. I don't have the full load of being a principal. What What's it like as a principal of a middle school? Every day is a new day. Uh, <laughs> and middle school is probably the most challenging. Mm. It's simply because they're at one of the most tumultuous times in their lives. Their emotions are roaring. They want to be adults, but they still want you to hold their hands. Their parents mm. want them to be adults, but they still want to hold their hands. And it's a lot of push and pull. And so that's a difficult thing. And then being a principal, I have found after working on all three levels that typically the teachers in the school kind of follow the personalities of the kids in the school like elementary teachers they like routines they like things in order um they like everything to be just so and they follow along and then Mm -hmm. middle school teachers a little more radical they want a little more you know independence but um they they want to you know, they want to argue a little bit and their high school teachers kind of want to do their own thing. You know, they're more departmentalized. So they kind of want to do their own thing, you know, the interdisciplinary units and all that. That's not for them. They just want to just let me teach my class, teach my preps and leave me alone. <laughs> and it's, it's just interesting. And then um, just trying to balance your day. Like you come in with a to-do list. I had to get myself an actual calendar this year because I was trying to, you know, hold everything on my phone and I was missing stuff. So I had to actually get a physical calendar to write things Mm. down, like what time I'm going to do observations, what time I'm going to have conferences, what time I have allotted for parent conferences, Um, because I was just finding that I was just all over the place. And I like to say I'm organized, but I was not organized anymore. Mm. So um, you come in with that schedule for the day, but anything could happen. As soon as you walk in the door, there may be a parent waiting right there for you. And although we tried to put in place, you know, you have to have an appointment to see someone. Sometimes parents are like, this is an emergency. Almost like a heart attack. No, my child is a heart attack right now and I need you to yeah. see me right now. So that'll throw you off. Yeah. And, and um, uh, just uh, trying to balance the curriculum and instructional part with the social emotional part with the operational side of things. And, mm-hmm. um, there are some nights I don't sleep, and then there are some weekends I just crash. 
But my mom always tells me, you got to turn it off. She's a former principal too, but she's like, you got to learn how to turn it off. And she already, you know, before summer break, even comes, okay, and what week are you taking off? Not what day, what week, because you have got to sit down and rest. Yeah. I think that's one of the important things too, is making sure you balance the time, your work time. Like really when people say work hard, play hard, it's true. You have to go out and have a good time. You Mm. have to really have time for yourself. Yeah, yeah. How, how um, have you always been that conscious of your work-life balance? How, how does that work for you? Um, that has gotten better over time because there will be times when I want to do stuff on the weekend. I'm emailing people on Saturday and Sunday. And then this year, I think, is when I really realized, no, no emails after 7 o'clock because there are no instructional emergencies. And I'm not going to bother you on the weekends with what we're going to do next week. You deserve your time off, too. And um, I'm I'm in a sorority and stuff like that. So we had weekend activities. And I just realized you can't do your work and do your community service and play if you don't (laughs) stop one of them at some time. So like, even with the sororities, like you can call me after five o'clock cause I leave work and I can talk to you then. But then on the weekends it's like, teachers, I'm going to respect your time. You respect my time. And I think they really like that. Like if I send something out after seven, which is rare, I got one teacher that text me and say, it's after seven o'clock. Right. <laughs> so I have to have accountability partners that help me say no. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I, I see you've had a, a variety of experience from D.C. to Arizona to Philadelphia. Uh, is is the experience as a middle school principal? Is that was that has that always been the goal, or are you you just an educator by heart? Educator by, by heart. Okay. It comes natural for me. Um, like people say, you really love your job and you find your passion when you would do it for free. And I'm not just saying this, but I would really do it for free. I enjoy what I love, what I do. And there are some days that are harder than others. And I get mad sometimes I go home fussing and my mom was like, last week, you've been fussing all week. But I love what I do. I love the kids. I love watching them grow and mature. Um, it's just something that just came natural. It just, it just came natural for me. I can't lie. Something that just comes natural for me. Yeah, yeah. And and with um, so you mentioned you you were at a turnaround school. Is, is that something that you knew you were getting into? Yes, I did. Um, actually, my first principalship was at a school in Augusta that they converted to charter school because they had a history of low performance. So I was learning how to be a principal hmm. and uh, learning how to write a charter hire staff all that all at one time wow so that was that was a big task that was a lot at one time yeah but once you get into the work and start learning um that first year was not good at all (laughs) excuse me it was not good at all because i had come from middle school where you're so focused on discipline and stuff elementary school like strictly curriculum you learn the curriculum you know how to go observe and all this kind of stuff so the first year what I thought was a good class was a class that might be everybody sitting down being quiet in their seats. But you look at their test data and they're showing no growth. They're just quiet little, you know, clones. Yeah. I had to learn over time how to look at data, how to use that data, how to target the teachers and the students who needed assistance. And sometimes the kids didn't take it personally, but the teachers did. But it's like, this is not an I got you. This is to help you help them. Mm. So I had been doing that. I just kind of ended up in those situations over time. 
it's stressful, but it, the work is there and it's good. So when I came to this school in terms of turnaround, we weren't on any like list or anything, but um, the test scores weren't where they needed to be when we ended up looking at the overall data over the last three to five years. The discipline was not where it needed to be. High number of out-of-school suspensions and in-school suspensions, high number of students going to tribunal hearings. And we just had to take a look at what we were doing wrong in order to get it right. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that we needed to put in place so that we would not end up on a list. Yeah. And so um, I didn't go out looking for it. It just kind of always comes to me. Mm. And uh, like I was talking to a girl I went to college with last night and she said the Lord has a funny sense of humor. She said she never thought she would do any of the jobs that she did, but yeah. it just happened. And so it kind of just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and being in the situation that you're in now, you mentioned tackling that low hanging fruit uh, as a first year principal. You're getting through your year two right now. What is some of the, the long term goals or, or what are you trying to accomplish as the principal of um, Rupert Langford? OK, so funny you asked me that. So I have um, next year I want to start out with Vision 2020. Um, I've been reading this book, The Principled Principle, and the three things that I want to focus on next year and um, make Vision 2020 are innovation, um, academics, and social-emotional learning. So I want my guidance counselors to have a greater role in our school improvement process in terms of what needs they see from the guidance perspective. Okay. Um, send them to some conferences to bring back some things, my parent facilitator to bring back some things, um, even sending my ISS teacher out to learn some new things that can help in his setting. So that's one thing. I've been meeting with the media specialists in terms of innovation so that we, we're going to revamp the library. We're going to make it um, an innovation center, so to speak, where you got the pods where the kids are sitting around, the one computer all working on the same thing, um, getting some more up-to-date books. We have lots of laptops, but really how to use those laptops. Yeah. We're supposed to be going to one-on-one one -on -one, one -on -one technology next year, and that's going to be interesting that every student will have a computer and how to keep them on track and how teachers can actually use that. Mm. Um, we're an IB school, which is International Baccalaureate. Um, it's my goal one day to be a model school that they say this is a school that you can go to and see I be in, in practice. We're actually going through an evaluation right now and I'll get my feedback at about 2.30. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. And then we have the AVID program and I want to be an AVID model school. So um, long term, I want to see us. It's, this school has been known for athletics. Like we had really good football, really good basketball. But it's time to support the academic program and push that forward. We got to put that on the forefront. Yeah. And so yeah. that's like my long-term goal, putting it back on the forefront as an academy of learning. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> and, and you are a public school though, correct? We are a public school. Okay. So with, so you said innovation, SEL, and what was the third one? Innovation and academics. Ac just making sure we really focus on that IB and AVID and using those strategies. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about, uh, I'm, I'm most interested in uh, behavior, you know, keeping, keeping your students in class. When the student leaves, everybody loses. The student's not learning, teacher's right. not teaching, and you end up babysitting. So, right. so talk to me about some of the resources and strategies that your counselors 
and behavior specialists are using to help keep your kids in class and manage student behavior? Okay, so that's something we're working on. We do have what they call the positive behavior incentive support, PEBUS. Mm-hmm. We are in the pilot year, so we're still writing our program. So that's an area where we are still very much struggling. Um, okay. We did, like like I said, this, with the low-hanging fruit, one of the things that we looked at was dress code. And we found that our in-school suspension rates went down when we got, some people call it lax, but I did, I read an article on it and talked to some kids and principals from a high-performance school to just discuss how do you know, how do you deal with dress code issues? And some of the stuff that we think, that we thought was really important, like they can't wear slides or um, jeans with holes, it was like, it's as simple as let them wear the slides and put some tights under your jeans with holes. Hmm. So when we got more relaxed with our dress code, that was one way the kids loved me yeah. right there. <laughs> they fell in love with that. But our in-school suspension numbers went down because we weren't focusing on that. Hmm. And you're thinking, and you got parents and you can understand them saying that you mean to tell me math isn't more important than this because my child has a hole in their jeans that you can barely wow. stick your finger through. So that was one thing. The other thing is we try to set up quarterly celebrations, which we found is too long uh, for a middle school student. That long-term gratification is just too long. So we're going to have to put things in place more often, like every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as simple as maybe going to play card games or some free time um, in the gym. Um, something else that we do we identified the students that were chronic, what we call chronic disciplinary behavior problems. And we had their parents come in to fill out a contract, but the contract is incentive-based versus consequence-based. Okay. I've seen a turnaround and I can name two kids right off. You've seen the turnaround that behavior. One little girl, she brought her on in this morning. She said, these girls are trying to fight me. She said, but I'm on that rule Twitter and I am not trying to get in trouble. (laughs) And then the other young man, we moved him from a regular class to an honors class, and his behavior improved because wow. he was being challenged. Wow. So we still are in the process. And then when guidance, one of my guidance counselors went out on long-term leave. She had a baby. Okay. And so the other one is trying to do it on her own. But we do kind of our own version of conflict uh, resolution and peer mediation. And um, that works for the most part. They usually get in there and um, they can talk it out. But sometimes that doesn't work out. But I try to find other ways. And even in the in-school suspension program, we put computers in there so that they could be doing work on the Edgenuity online program where they're actually being taught like an online class versus Mm -hmm. you should be writing your name 50 times or whatever the case may be. Mm. But I still say that's an area uh, that we need some work that I want to work on. Yeah, that, well, that's that's understandable for sure. And when you say you're in your pilot year with the PBIS system, what what does that mean? Is there is there somebody from PBIS that comes in and helps you, or is there some standards that you're following? Um, similar, I see you've gone through the advanced ED um, process. How, what what does a pilot year for PBIS mean? So what we've been doing. Um, it's, it's about five schools in the county, and we go like once a month to training, and it's, uh, we have someone, they have uh, consultants from the state come in, and really this first year has really been about data analysis. Okay. Um, where are your problem behaviors happening? What area of the school, which teachers have the most, what time of day uh, to determine uh, uh, where you are, like 
so you can put your interventions in place based on what the data says. Yeah. So we've been doing a lot of that. And then just having uh, focus groups and um, training for teachers. And so long-term, what you'll end up doing is having um, like an acronym, like we're the lions. So we might have roar as our, um, acronym and each yeah. letter stands for something. So you have like your hallway behavior, your bathroom behavior, your classroom behavior, the right lesson plans. And during the first week of school, you would just teach a different one each day and then revisit them like every two or three weeks to keep to have the children in a routine with their school wide expectations. Right. For sure, for sure. Is there right now as it as it sits, do you have a way to to track behavior or incentivize, consequate, reward student behavior? We do. So we have Infinite Campus. That is our um, that's our student data management system, and it has the um, referrals in there. And then we also have Swiss, and I can't tell you right now what that. App- <laughs> stands for, but that is the one that actually tells you if it was in the restroom, if it was in hallway, right. and what time of day, and it really tracks the data that way. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with um, with Swiss. I don't know what what the acronym is either, uh, but I, but I know it's a good one. I know I know it's right. a good one um, <laughs> right. with the PBIS system. So that that's pretty cool um, to have both of those. That's school, school wide information system. So it it tracks. Um, that's what it is. It's school-wide information system, so we're tracking right. all that detailed information. Um, h- how are you feeling about your plans for the, the SEL model or of those three goals that you have with academics, innovation, SEL? Which one do you think is the, the largest priority? I think the largest priority for me is going to be the um, SEL. Hmm. Um, one of my counselors is resigning, so I'm getting – I have two ladies, so I really wanted a male here. Um, Because my boys need somebody to talk to. And um, so I'm getting this new counselor. He had done some work here before, and I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to that because the two of them together can really get those small groups based on uh, like the anger management, things that middle school students go through. Yeah. Um, And I'm just really interested to see how that's going to affect their learning in the classroom because sometimes they will get mad about the simplest things and blow up and carry on and walk walk out and it's like all it was was somebody stepped on your shoe and did say excuse me yeah (laughs) understand who they are and how to control all of that so that's Mm -hmm. the thing to me that i'm really looking forward to yeah i i I agree i mean the the person and i talk about this all the time my background is in psychology so i'm i'm a big proponent in putting the person first And, and before you can before you can really um influence a student or have an impact on a student, that student has to know that you care about them. And so the communication and not just what you say, but how you're saying it when you're talking to somebody makes a big difference. So that SEL aspect, I think, has a a direct impact on the student learning, the student retention, the the grades and the test scores, all the data that you have with your students. So I, I commend you for having that strong focus on SEL. And um, so PBS will be your, I say PBS, the PBIS will be your, that's your curriculum for your school-wide expectations, your rules, that, that's your curriculum essentially, correct? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. How, how long, so you said last year was your pilot year, how long is that process to, do you know, to get fully implemented in the PBIS system? So I'm expecting full implementation next school year. Mm. I didn't realize we were pilot until the coach <laughs> 
our local coach, our district coach, said this was actually the pilot year. And so gotcha. I was thinking, well, we're behind the eight ball. And said, no, actually, you're ahead because you've been doing uh, more work than you're supposed to. So next year, I'm expecting full implementation but um, to make that happen uh, this summer I had some money for stipend so we're going to have the team come in and write those lesson plans and have everything ready when we start pre-planning so we can roll it out when the kids come in versus trying to write uh, like they say build a plan as you fly it we won't be writing them while the kids are here yeah yeah that's good um, and, and I noticed on, on some of your LinkedIn resume, you, you've gone through the advanced ED accreditation. Can you talk about that process? So um, I did it a couple of times. Um, so basically they come in and look at all aspects of your, and I actually was in a review last year. They come in and look at all the aspects of your school. They look at your operations. They look at your instructional program, technology use, um, all of that. And then, they want to see in the classrooms, like, what the kids are doing. They're mm-hmm. not watching, look for that stage on the stage. They want to see what the, what the kids are doing. Um, and then they want to see evidence that you've um, worked on your school mission and vision collaboratively, that you, um, that you have operations in place. So if you should leave, someone can come in and pick up where you left off. So that's a very eye-opening experience. And one of the big pieces in there now is technology and how the students are using it. And they want to see more than just like a PowerPoint presentation or something on Prezi or the kids just playing games. They want to see how the kids are actually applying technology to their learning. But it really gives you a good snapshot of what's going on in your school, the rigor of the work that's going on in your school. And then those operational pieces that may be out of sync that could that if you fix this one small thing, it might make a big difference. Gotcha. Gotcha. So is that a is that a process that you're looking to go through with your current middle school as well? So they did that district wide, Richmond County okay. district wide. So they just came through last year. So I um they didn't focus specifically on my school, but they did come here and interview some kids and stuff like hmm. that. And what we found district wide is that we need to work on our rigor and um and then having those positive relationships like that social emotional learning that we were talking about. So having things in place to work on social emotional learning and kids having someone in the school that they feel safe to go talk to at all times. Right, right, right. What would you say is your, is your mission in education? You, you've been in the game for a long time. You've had a variety of experience in a variety of places. What is it that you're trying to accomplish with your career as an as a educator? So I believe that you enhance the quality of life um, through education because the more, the more, you know, the better you do. Mm. And so the more educated our community is, the better we can make decisions about um, everything, voting, our schools, um, any kind of community service that we may be doing, um, just what's going on in the media, uh, what's accurate, what's not, um, jobs, access to jobs, access to information, access to programs that will, will help us. So help us succeed as, as, as people mm-hmm. and be more productive citizens so that we can live longer and accomplish more than our ancestors. Cause that's the goal. Like you want to, you, you're not trying to knock anybody, but you want to make sure you go, you take it one step further. Right. So you do education. So it's like, for me, I talk to the students and it's like, your parents may have stopped here, but I, ultimately they want you to go there. Yeah. So it's my job to help you get there, wherever yeah. there is. 
I, I had a coach when I was playing football that says success is when you uh, achieve something for your for yourself, and significance is when you're helping somebody else along the way. So it's it's, it's making that significant foundation with with your life's work that's allowing it to pay it forward for somebody else is what I heard. Is that does that sound right? That's right. I like that. Can you say that one more time? Success is is when you're finding accomplishment or achievement for yourself. And significance is when you're able to pay it forward for somebody else. It's bigger than you. That's right. It's bigger than me. It's yeah. about all these 714 kids I have at Langford Middle School and all the ones that I've had before. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'd like to see them do well. Well, it doesn't seem like we've been on this chat for a very long time, but I think we're going to need to come back and, and do some kind of follow up. Okay. What 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 can you leave for other middle school principals that are going through their transition right now? Is there any words of, of wisdom or advice that you have for them? Um. I guess I would say work hard, play hard. Make sure you do your job when you're there, but realize that you could stay all night if you wanted to because you could probably find something to do. But you have to have enough balance in your life that you're healthy, that you're resting, that you're eating well, and yeah. those kinds of things so that you can come back and do it the next day. Yeah. You always want to make sure that you rested enough that you can come back and do it the next day. I love it. And how can we get in contact with you or Rupert Lane from middle school to find out more information or get some help if we need it. Okay, so we have a website, um, RCBOE slash Langford, or if you just put in Langford Middle School, Augusta, Georgia, it will come up. You can follow me on Facebook. I'm Marvin on Facebook. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Okay, right on, right on. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Tuck. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. I'm excited about the plans that you've got going forward. So we'll have to see what that's looking like in, in another year and see how that PIBA's plan and uh, the, that big three has been implemented for you guys. All right. Thank you so much. For everybody that's listening, I appreciate your time today listening to the Dash podcast. This is our way to bridge the gap in education through challenging, meaningful, significant conversation. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. All educators were looking to bridge this gap. Thank you for listening. This is The Dash.